Apparently, Rick Zamperin, who basically almost runs the place here, he does everything except what he did. It's really cool. He gave the operators his wrong phone number. So they could never reach him in the event of trouble. And of course, I also had the wrong phone number, Rick. So we managed to completely make a hash of it. And you were, you were hiding well. Oldest trick in the book. It's in, not only oldest, but the smartest, really. I mean, when, <laughs> when everything starts swirling down the toilet, ah, oh, we can't find Rick. Well, Rick's, you know, off doing whatever Rick is doing. Smart yeah. play. Anyway, we've got you now, thankfully, okay. because um, we want to talk a little bit of Ticats because, man, oh, man, uh, what an interesting slash exciting slash puzzling day down at training camp today. Number of people who have been to a number of these, including yourself, were saying they not ever actually seen anything like what happened today. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was talking to another fan when I heard kind of an uproar. So I didn't see actually how it started, but I have I have learned, and obviously through uh, you know our media scrum with uh, Coach Kent Austin, how it all began. Uh, but there's, you know, this big uproar down at the Ron Joy Stadium at McMaster University during training camp, and I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? And, you know, uh, fists are flying and guys are pushing and shoving, and lo and behold, uh, Delano Johnson, who's, uh, you know, in um, a hot and heavy competition for one of the defensive linemen jobs, the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, got into a shoving match, um, and, and these things happen, obviously, at training camp, you know, uh, emotions get high, but... He got into a shoving match with a quarterback, and, and not just not just one quarterback, two quarterbacks. Um, so how he is still at this moment a Hamilton Tiger Cat, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, you know, the, the team thinks highly of him. It wasn't a serious, uh, you know, push or attack on a fellow teammate. You know, emotions got high. He apparently had bumped into Ja'Cory Harris, uh, and Jeff Matthews kind of got in Delano Johnson's face, and Johnson pushed uh, Jeff Matthews, and then Jeremiah Masoli came in, and Johnson took exception to Masoli, and he pushed him. That's when the offensive line got in, and you know the big boys went at each other, and cooler heads eventually prevailed when Coach Ken Austin uh, took them to task, albeit in a uh, rather uh, low tone, um, not not something that was high octane or uh, well, it could have been expletive laden. We we just couldn't hear it. Um, but cooler heads did prevail, and and they you know restored order, so to speak. Okay, so we know that at training camp, guys are fighting for jobs. There's a lot of people around. It's usually yeah. like now. It's usually hot, and you're out there for a few hours. So skirmishes happen, right? These these things do happen at every training camp, not to this level necessarily. But you'll have the odd push or shove, or you know, two guys going at it once in a while. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this this is day number five. So guys are, you know, kind of feeling the grind. Those aches and pains are starting to set in a little bit. Uh, it was, you know, not not an uh, uncontrollably warm day or, or, or steaming hot day today, but it was hot. You know, it was sunny. The guys were working. This was, you know, uh, midway or towards the end, really, of, of uh, the power practice that the Ticats run. And as you said, emotions get high. These, these occurrences usually happen when the, the D-line is going against the offensive line uh, or, you know, a, a linebacker tackles, uh, you know, a receiver uh, because he was, you know, somewhat too aggressive and guys take exception. But but never uh, you know, a defensive player going after a quarterback. That, that's an absolute no-no. Right, because the quarterback in training camp is uh, essentially, I mean, I sort of before I said it was like the Ming vase at the museum or like a Fabergé egg. <laughs> you just, you don't ever touch them. If you can avoid them in any way because they are valuable to your team and to lose a guy in training camp for something stupid would be unforgivable. 
Yeah, and you know, not only that, but especially with this team, yeah. where they are in their quarterback situation. We all know that Zach Calero suffered that ACL injury in September. He's uh, been rehabbing in the offseason, had that surgery uh, you know, about a month later or so. Uh, he, he's not going to be ready for week one. We don't know when he's going to be ready, really, whether it's going to be week two, three, or four, or, or who knows. Um, so, you know, given all of that, given that we have really some unproven and untested guys battling for the number one job, at least in week one, um, going after the quarterback is the absolute wrong decision. Yeah, I, I, as soon as I heard this, my first thought was, I wonder what, the situation would have been if something had actually happened to one of these quarterbacks. Because you're already, as you say, you're already down your star and your number one guy. Mm-hmm. If someone else gets hurt, man, I mean, you are you are plumbing the depths already. You're in a you're in a bind, and you haven't even started your first exhibition game. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and we can play this theoretical game. So let's say Masoli is the guy who got injured, and you know, obviously we're, we're all thinking a lucky stars that it, it didn't materialize. But if Masoli so Jeff Matthews is probably your starting quarterback. Corey Harris is two. Jake Waters, who's never done anything in the CFL, is number three. And same with Matthews. You know, Masoli is probably going to be the starter anyways, but still the depth behind him is uh, almost non-existent. So, uh, you know, the, the, I think the Ticats are thanking their lucky stars and, and, and thanking everyone involved that didn't get to a point where someone did get hurt. And you said that there are, it would often be the case in training camps that a guy who would do something this, I mean, I think we can fairly say boneheaded, uh, to go <laughs> after the quarterback would find himself in deep doo-doo, probably on the shuttle out of town. But he's not. Why not? Well, I think he's not yet. Um, and I think uh, there's, there's a couple of answers to this. Number one, you know, the Ticats D-line, the Ticats defense, really, um, I don't want to say he's in flux, but it is, it is going to be changed. Uh, vastly different from what it has been over the last uh, year or even two years, really. You're going to have a, uh, you know, two new pieces probably on the D-line, two new starters at least, two new starting linebackers, and virtually five guys who are either new or playing a different position in the secondary. So really, you're talking three guys on defense from last season who were starters are back to starters this season. So I think they're looking at a guy like Delano Johnson, looking really at everybody on defense, saying, can this guy make a difference? So I think they're going to give him somewhat the benefit of the doubt. But I will say this, you know, in the heat of a moment during a game, these are the type of incidents that you look back on and say, that was a dumb penalty or that was a dumb play. You know, we all saw throughout the course of last season and, and you know, seasons gone by, really stupid, unnecessary roughness, those 15-yard boneheaded plays, and the Ticats committed many of them last year. The Ticats coaching staff, I can guarantee you, is looking at this situation saying, if this were a game, he just cost us 15 yards. Okay, so we, we survive. The Ticats survive this. They don't lose a quarterback. Uh, the, the guys who started camp in the mix are still there, but do we have any clarity right now on what is happening with the quarterback situation? I mean, the understanding is that Zach Caleros, it might be Labor Day or sometime around there. We don't really know. But until then, is anything clearer about who's going to be the guy who's playing? Not really. I mean, I think it's a fair assessment that it's either going to be Masoli or Matthews. Sure. Um, Ken Austin even today saying, you know, both guys look good. I think it's really going to come down to the preseason games and obviously week one is going to be huge. You know, you're, you're, you're playing against the Argos. It's, it's at BMO Field. Um, you know, how 
uh, Masoli or Matthews performs in that game will obviously determine whether he's going to start in week two. If he is amazing, obviously he's going to continue on with the reins. If he is average and the Ticats win, maybe he still gets the job. If he's horrible and the Ticats win, well, then that's when the coaching staff says, all right, maybe we should take another look at it. And certainly if he's horrible and the Ticats lose, uh, they're really going to seriously consider making a switch. But, you know, it's, it's a look at balance because you have two guys who, and, and even in Matholi's case, I mean, this is his fifth year in the CFL, but he hasn't really played a lot. He hasn't started a lot of games. So these are really two quarterbacks, and Matthews and Mazzoli haven't really done much. Um, you know, Matthews last season had some flashes here and there, but for the most part, he was a turnover machine. And Mazzoli, um, you know what, he, he had a great division final, but he did. Really apart from that, he was very much up and down. I, I mean, I'm not down at camp every day like you are. It strikes me, though, that I would be really shocked, Rick, if until the day that Zach Caleros comes back, I'd be shocked if we saw one of these guys exclusively or almost exclusively playing. It, it just strikes me that it's a very high possibility that based on their track record, as you say, of inconsistency, that it would, be, it would make a ton of sense or fill in with a ton of expectations if we saw a lot of both of them. I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I draw the comparative to Montreal last season where you had, you know, pretty good defense, but at the quarterback position, it was, um, you know, like a, a, a turnstile. You know, every other week there was a different guy, whether it was Joaquin Cato, Brandon Bridge, or, you know, Kevin Glenn towards the end of the season. Uh, Dan LaFever got in, you know, albeit, you know, just for a couple of snaps, but it was just an absolute mess. And it, it came down really to, inconsistencies guys and had a good game then they had a horrible game they had a great half and a horrible half they just can't put it together from quarter to quarter to quarter to week to week and, and that's really that separates really the elite quarterbacks who are really good every week to really everyone else in the Canadian Football League. How has Steph Potasik looked like he's fitting in? And the reason I ask that, I mean, obviously he got hired very late in the process and has not had the typical prep time that a, an offensive coordinator would have been able to have. Does he, When he's out on the field now, does he look like your typical veteran offensive coordinator or is he following Kent Austin around and trying to absorb so much stuff that he's going to need to know? You know, I think he's holding his own. Uh, you know, I haven't interviewed him. It was just, you know, a couple of lows here and there. But, you know, for the most part, he he knows the CFL game, obviously having played at that level. He, he knows uh, how a camp is run. Uh, he obviously is is uh, heavily ingesting the uh, the book. Uh, you know, as soon as he got hired, he was, uh, you know, knee-deep in, in pages and how they're executing it. Um, it's Ken Austin's system. And, and he, he mentioned that even before Steph Potastic was hired, you know, he was going to hire – a guy that he trusted and he knew and he knew who could run the system. But for the most part, you know, uh, this is an offense that Ken Austin has created. So Steph Patask is really the executioner, if you will. He's got the playbook, and now he has to make sure that his guys on offense, um, you know, carry that playbook and execute it on the field. So I don't think he's looked out of place at all. He's been a guy who has, uh, you know, it hasn't been as uh, vocal as, say, uh, you know, even a Rich Dubler or a Don Sullivan, but – um, I, I I think he's fitting in nicely. I've said many times that I don't love the fact, uh, the one thing I don't love about the CFL is that so many games before Labor Day seem to really not matter that much. Uh, if you can get hot at Labor Day, almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed you can make it into the playoffs. It really sort of renders the first half of the season somewhat irrelevant. That said, 
this seems like it might be the year when that plays to the Ticats' favor with just all the stuff that's going on and with, as I say, Patasic coming in and trying to figure it out and a quarterback who you're not really sure about and some injuries and a new defense. That, man, if we can just get it together by Labor Day, might seem to play towards this team's advantage. And you know what? It, it's been really, uh, I don't know if recipe is the right word, but it, it, it certainly has been the M.O. of this, of this uh, football club to start slow and then after Labor Day, really turn on the Jets. Last season was the complete opposite. This team was roaring out of the gate, absolutely annihilating teams left, right, and center. And then when Zach Caleros went down, uh, it was really a reversal of fortune. And, and, you know, the team really struggled into the playoffs, limped into the playoffs, and, uh, yeah, won that playoff game against the Argos, but then, uh, you know, lost the heartbreaker in Ottawa. This year, of course, with Caleros on the shelf, a lot of, um, you know, red flags or question marks on defense. You know, the kicking situation is what it is. You have two guys who are competing for a job that was held by probably still the reigning uh, MOP in terms of special teams players, aside from Brandon Banks and, and Justin Medlock, is probably the best kicker in the CFL. So you got a lot of question marks um, really all around this roster. And so for the first month, two, maybe even three, this team is going to have to find its identity without, you know, its its star quarterback and you know key contributor on special teams and a really a whole new look defense. Uh, just one thing before I let you go: uh, Do the Tie Cats have the, the CFL and the CIS have combined over recent years to bring in CIS Canadian University quarterbacks to give them an internship? Do the Tie Cats have anybody this year, or was it Will Finch who was supposed to be here? And obviously retired because of his concussion situation from Western. Yes, they do. I don't recall the guy's okay. name, though. He's from, I, I believe he's from Waterloo. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm planning to chat with him uh, early next week just to see how, you know, the first week of camp went. But, yes, they do. And, this, you know, this is a great thing. Even though, you know, the CFL has, you know, the, the discussion has been, you know, should the CFL dress a third or even a fourth quarterback and make him, you know, a designated Canadian. But this is really good for the development of the individual who's attending, uh, you know, a CFL camp. They get to see how the pros do it, how they go from meeting room to meeting room, watch film, take that to the field. Uh, it, it's a great learning experience. And, uh, you know, you talk to anybody who was involved in a camp uh, from a CIS level, and they have nothing but great things to say. Well, it's it seems as though it has certainly helped the level of CIS quarterbacking, which yeah. then drives up the whole level of the Canadian University game. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, these guys, you know, even, even the littlest things such as, you know, preparation or footwork or progression when you're going from receiver to receiver or, you know, picking up what the defense is doing, I mean, they take that back to school. They they chat with their coaches. They 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 you know spread that information to their teammates. And not only do they become better players, but really the team kind of improves because of the experience that that quarterback has had in the CFL. Uh, busy day at training camp. Hopefully tomorrow, Rick. If you get down there, you can talk to the players beforehand and say, guys, let, let's just cool it a little bit. Don't need anyone <laughs> injured here. You're going to have some injuries anyway. But uh, pretty exciting day down there. Uh, Rick Zamper, appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Anytime. Take care, Scott.